The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said to his disciples, About that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. What a way for Jesus to describe himself. The thief who breaks into our house and into our hearts. Let's be honest. How many of you at some point this week over Thanksgiving with family or maybe friends late into the night, possibly after the football game ended last night, uh, played a card game called Cards Against Humanity? You're not going to admit it. If you don't know what that is, it's a pretty obscene game that your clergy do not play. I don't know how I even know about it. Um, But it's the uh, adult version of Apples to Apples. So, um, in one pile, there will be these um, uh, probing cards that that sort of make a statement, like, um, things to hang on my Christmas tree, or ways to get my in-laws to go home, something like that. And then each of the players has about six or seven, uh, they're like nouns or verbs or something that you're holding in the other hand, Um, and those are where it gets really obscene. Um, But one of them that my husband Josiah and I like a whole lot um, and fight over, probably because we have two little kids that wake up in the middle of the night, um, is some gosh darn peace and quiet, (laughs) right? It doesn't really say that, but we're going to say that it says that, some gosh darn peace and quiet. I enjoyed some of that actually after my in-laws departed yesterday. 
There's a story uh, by an author named Ray Bradbury. It was kind of reminding me of that gosh darn peace and quiet. Uh, Ray Bradbury wrote Fahrenheit 451 that you probably read in eighth or ninth grade. Um, and he also wrote this collection of short stories called The Illustrated Man. And the premise of the illustrated man is there's this man uh, from the circus and he's covered in tattoos and um, each one of his tattoos tells a story or a parable of some kind. And one of my favorites is a story called The Man. And in it, um, there is a space captain named Captain Hart and his first mate kind of person named uh, Martin, and they're on this spaceship, and um, they make a landing on this little-known kind of backwoods planet and some other solar system that has never before been visited by people from outer space. And so uh, Captain Hart is expecting to make this um, great, magnificent landing. You know, it's the landing of the UFO. Um, And he expects to be greeted by swarms of people who are um, excited uh, and, and cheerful and interested and scared all at the same time. And he's really looking forward to that kind of um, rolling out the red carpet and, and stepping out and, and making a big, a big scene. And so they land, and, um, and Captain Hart and Martin exit the, the spaceship um, and all this grandeur and splendor, and there is no one there to meet them. And they look off in the distance, and there's a town not that far away. They should have seen the spectacle from, um, from the air and rushed to come and see what it was all about, and yet they hadn't. And so they go about making all this noise and this production to try to get the townspeople's um, attention. And finally, Captain Hart sends Martin, his first mate, into the town uh, to figure out what's the problem with these people. Why are they not here rolling out the red carpet? And, um, And Martin finally comes back with the mayor of the town. And the mayor starts talking And what you start to realize as you're reading this story is that the reason nobody cared about this first magnificent landing of people from outer space was that Jesus had come back the day before. And they're going on and on, and oh, he preached peace, and he gave us some peace and quiet, and he healed people, and it was just so wonderful, and we've never met anyone like him, and we can't possibly pay any attention to you because Jesus came back yesterday. So Captain Hart is pretty dismayed about that because his magnificent landing has been ruined. But then something shifts inside of him, and he starts to get angry and frustrated for a different reason. He said, how can it be that this man came yesterday, and I missed him? It's like the biggest deal in the whole universe, Jesus coming back, and I missed it by 24 hours. And he goes on like that, and he finally decides he's going to get back in his spaceship and go chasing Jesus all throughout the universe. And his first mate, Martin, says, well, why, why not? Let's just stay here. Let's stay here among these beautiful people who have achieved this sense of peace and quiet and love. Why do you have to go chasing them all over the universe? 
What are you going to ask him? And so he's, Captain Hart says, well, I'm, I'm not really sure. And finally he says, well, I guess when I catch up to him, I'm going to ask him for some gosh darn peace and quiet. I haven't had any of that in a long time. And it seems worth chasing after. And so he blasts back up in the spaceship, and Martin and the mayor of this town are, are left, and the mayor's just shaking his head, saying, he's just got the totally wrong perspective. Next planet he's going to land on, Jesus will have missed him by 12 hours. And then they're going to go off again, and he's going to land on another planet where he's missed Jesus by 60 seconds, and then by 30 seconds, and then by a fraction of a second, and he's never going to catch up. And how ironic, because he could have just stayed here and seen what he was looking for right in front of his face. I wonder how often we miss Jesus and that gosh darn peace and quiet that Jesus brings with him when he's right in front of our face. It's probably pretty often. It's pretty often for me. I wonder how often we let um, our pride, sometimes our desire to make a magnificent entrance, our tribalism mask the Jesus that has been left for us here on this earth. Because here's the good news, right? In this season of Advent, we talk an awful lot about waiting for Jesus, about waiting for the celebration of Jesus, about waiting for Jesus to come again in glory and power and great majesty. I think those are the words of one of our Advent collects. And the good news is, even though maybe we're waiting for Jesus at some time in the future to come back and perfect the world, Jesus has already made a tremendous difference. The good news is Jesus has already come. Jesus has already come into the world. He came about 2,020 years ago. And if we could just pay attention to that and remember that, it might change our entire perspective on the people that we meet and this world that we encounter. It might change your perspective a little bit, I don't know, on the events of the football game yesterday. It might change our perspective and put us more at rest and at peace on the election that we're going to have next November, about a year from now, or on the people that we run into on the street, what would it look like to accept Jesus' invitation this Advent to go out into the world with some of the peace and quiet that Jesus has brought us and look at the events of our lives, the events of the world, and the people we meet a little bit differently? Kaysen point. About a couple of years ago, Naomi and Catherine were, were born, and they were little, and we were on a trip to the McWayne Center downtown. And I had this whole plan. The parking deck was already full, and so I had to park about three or four blocks down um, right outside the Brother Brian mission, which is for homeless um, and addicted men. And there's a bus stop right outside next to the Brother Brian mission, and i Bus stops just scare me a little bit, having been brought up in Birmingham. And there were a whole bunch of people gathered outside that bus stop that did not look like me at all and didn't act like me and didn't talk like I do. 
And so I had this whole plan that we were going to park our little Prius right on the edge, parallel park, and then I was going to jump out, try to avoid traffic and not getting mowed down by a car, passing vehicle, grab Naomi and Catherine out of the back seat as fast as I could, hold them tightly to me and run past that bus stop before I could get stopped by someone who wanted something from me. And so I hatched the plan and it went beautifully and I jumped out, I grabbed Naomi and Catherine and were holding them and was running past the bus stop when the words that I didn't want to hear rang out, hey you, turn around. And so I decided it wasn't a very good idea to keep on running at that point, so I stopped and I turned around and there was a very tall man who looked nothing and sounded nothing like me. And he said, I know you. You are the coffee shop preacher. <laughs> and then he said, if you still have your McWayne Center sticker when you come back out, can I have it? Because I haven't been in the McWayne Center yet. And what I'm thankful for is that 2020 years ago, Jesus came and gave me maybe a little more peace and quiet than I would ordinarily have in my spirit. But better than that, gave me a different perspective on the world, on the people that I meet, and a different way of encountering them. And I hearken back to the way that Jesus said, understand that the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. How shocking. How surprising, how mischievous, how wily is God popping in at these unexpected hours and unexpected times and unexpected people. And what an unexpected and joyful invitation for us to go out into the world and the places that we come from and pay attention and do the same, knowing that we don't have to go far and we don't have to search for long because God is right there in front of us. So I'm going to close with a prayer that I have for you, and actually this prayer is from another great work of science fiction that came out a little more recently than Ray Bradbury's work. This is by Guillermo del Toro from a book and actually a film um, that came out just a couple of years ago called The Shape of Water. He says, and here is the ultimate emergence, quickened by sacrifice, Finding God, that mischievous imp, hiding where we least expected, not in a church, not on a slab, but inside us, right there, next to our hearts. Amen.